freezing time. It was pretty intense. Were you there? Were you there, Catherine? You were there. All right. Okay. Well, let's, let's go to John, the third chapter, please, in your Bible. John chapter 3. And as you're turning, I just want to start out by saying, what was the cause that led Christ coming to the earth and dying for our sins? Now, I just want to give you that opportunity to think about that for a second because it's kind of a loaded question. What, what caused Christ to come to the earth and die for our sins? Well, it's pretty obvious. Most people will get the first part correct, the love of God. God so loved the world. That's what we're getting ready to read. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who shall believe on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. But then there's this other component that most people don't pick up on, and it's in theology. It's called the justice of God. So in John chapter 3, let's read that real quick. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, <clears throat> love and justice of God. So basically, what caused the atonement? That's the title of the message. What caused the atonement? God's love for mankind? But then there's this other thing out there. It's called God. God is just. And so because we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there needed to be this sacrifice, this atonement for sin. And so Jesus came because God loved, and Jesus paid that price to make a just sacrifice so that we can be, as Romans 5 says, justified with God. Right standing, you may know it, but we are just before God, okay? So the Bible teaches God judges eternally, and he judges in history. You have to pick up on that theme in the Bible, we know that God offers eternal life. So when he offers eternal life, he's judging eternally. Everyone that accepts Jesus, John 3 says, shall have eternal life. That is a judgment. That is a just judgment of God, of the Father. And then it says, basically, whoever doesn't, will be eternally condemned. That's a judgment. So it's real important that we understand that God judges in history and he judges eternally. We know that from all the things from the beginning of Genesis all the way through the Bible. It's all about history with God. History with nations, history with family bloodlines, history with individuals all through the Bible 
No one can deny that. Romans 3 and 25 says this, God displayed Christ Jesus publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Propitiation is a basically a mercy seat. A mercy seat, God's mercy. It means to appease the wrath of God. That's what it means, to appease the wrath of God. See, God is always wanting to judge. But one of the things that believers don't really realize is God wants to judge for them. But sometimes things stand in the way of allowing God to judge on our behalf. Okay? One of the hardest things to get cleaned up in a person's life is a family history of witchcraft. That is the hardest and the roughest road anybody can go down. Because some people make the ancestors free willingly make covenants with the occult. And because they free willingly, free willingly, it's not because, you know, you were just innocent, innocently playing with the Ouija board or light, of a, light as a feather and, and all the different things, mirror, mirror, and all that stuff that you do with your friends and you don't really believe in it. There's no real act of I'm in 100%. If that's easy stuff to get, away, to get rid of. It's the stuff where families make covenants with the occult. It's very hard to break. The only way out of that stuff is exorcism. It's the only way out of that stuff. But God is judging. And then when a generation turns, that generation that turns to Christ needs to understand that this bloodline, there's problems in it. And God has been judging. Now, a lot of people believe <clears throat> that when, you, when Jesus dies on the cross, your sins are totally forgiven. I believe that too. But then there's this other thing, because that's an eternal judgment. But then there's a, this other judgment in history that needs to be dealt with. And basically, the Bible calls them curses. That's basically what it what it really is, is the curses that need to be broken. And a lot of people have this hard time with this because they look at and they say, okay, well, how do I, how do I deal with Deuteronomy 28 and how do I deal with Ezekiel 18 and, and all that? Well, if you really can understand Ezekiel 18, you'll agree with Moses because the first two chapter or the first two verses of Ezekiel 18 is the problem. And then the solution starts in verse 3 throughout that whole chapter. This is the solution to the problem. The children's teeth are set on edge as like sour grapes. Okay? So they're tormented. But then Ezekiel goes a little deeper in revealing more of Moses by saying the fathers and the sons, they don't have to suffer for all this. They can basically break curse. Okay? 
break judgments. Oh, come on. That's what's happening. You're breaking judgments in the spirit world by repenting, by breaking curses. People, people don't understand. You know, most people that need to be healed in their bodies won't, will never get healed because they don't understand this part of divine healing and this part of God. But you can't go to South America and not see it right in your face. It's in your face. These witchcraft covenants that they make. We're doing corporate deliverance down there and most everybody's going through it. And then they're being healed because they're breaking curses. There's more. I, you know, I, I tell the church, and this is real, real, another one that's real hard to believe, but I think if Smith Wigglesworth was ministering in today's world, he would just be a normal faith healer. Because sin was not as rampant back then as it is today. There's more sin in the world today. Come on. Anybody that's been around close to 60 years like I have, I'm pushing a little over. However, I've seen a lot since the 1950s. I've seen a lot. You know, families were still together. Families didn't divorce. Families stuck together. Families worked their things out. You know, it wasn't until, it wasn't until the, 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 the Jesus movement that was meant to counter this sex, drugs, and rock and roll that entered in the 60s that started to destroy generations. When God sent Christ to die and pay the penalty for our sins, it was to prove at the present time that he himself, God, is righteous and that he is that he justify, he's justified him who is faithful or who is, has faith in Christ Jesus. So when Jesus died on that cross, God was displaying his justice to mankind. I'm going to forgive you of all that you've ever done. I'm going to make an eternal judgment over you and your future generations that your sins will be wiped away, be atoned for, propitiated, the mercy seat, the wrath of God turned away. However, you need to understand who I am. I can make stronger eternal judgments over your bloodline, over your children's children's children, if you will do this satisfy my justice by renouncing and breaking curse. So important we understand this. This is part of the atonement. That is all that God, when God looks at mankind, he looks to judge eternally, but sometimes he can't judge eternally. 
That's the problem when you see preachers' kids going crazy and living out in the world and doing all these different things. Why? Because they came to Christ, but they didn't, they don't understand how God is just. They just think that God is just going to wipe it away. And eternally he has in Christ Jesus. All right. The love and justice of God were the ultimate cause of the atonement. Is That's basically what I'm here talking to you about tonight. That is the ultimate cause of Christ coming. If God doesn't love us, he never would have taken any steps to redeem us. So nobody can tell me that God doesn't love them. God loves them. So you might as well just go ahead and tell yourself you're loved. You're loved. God loves you. He loves you so much that he looked at all the things that you and your family history have done and said, I'm going to forgive it because you come to Jesus. I'm, I'm a just God. Okay? God's justice demands payment for sin, though. It did to, to redeem man, and it still does. And what is that payment? That payment is our confession to repent. When we, let's just say we, we get at odds with a brother or sister, what's the Bible tell us to do? Go to one another and make it right, right? Well, that's repentance. That's repenting. Walking in unity, staying together, loving one another through all that we go through in this life. The atonement is the decision of God to save all who would believe in Christ Jesus. I love this. I can't drill this home enough. You know, one of the things that I've learned in 25 years of dealing with sickness and demons is most people have repented enough to be saved, but they haven't, been, they haven't repented enough to be free. They haven't gotten down and just said, when people come to me and they say, how do I pray? Back in the day, I was, I was with Bob Larson at Christ for the Nations. And the power of God, I watched it. I was sitting on that stage next to Bob Larson, getting ready to, to minister to the, all those kids at Christ for the Nations over there. The power of God came into that room when Bob got on this thing called molestation and violations, and a third of them fell out demonized immediately. And I thought, oh my gosh. So what happened was, is they turned the lights out in, this, in the auditorium, but left the, the emergency lights on so that I could finish ministering to all those kids. And then they came to the, our meeting the next time. And the point I'm, I'm making is this. 
They had no idea they had problems. They did not understand. They were not taught that there's, this, there's, there's two things going on with God in the people that are redeemed in Christ Jesus. Is God judged already for you eternally, but then there's this history that he requires to be cleaned up. And he shows us, he shows us that in the atonement. Matthew 26, 39 says this. Jesus says, If it be possible, let this, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, Matthew, Matthew shows that it's not possible for Jesus to avoid death on the cross. It's impossible to redeem mankind. Now, we see this pictured in the atonement when the priests lay hands on this scapegoat and sends it out into the desert. They confess all their sins. The priests confess the sins of the nation and it appeases God for a year. So not only, not only was it a representation of Christ dying on the cross, but it was also showing in that atonement, in the Old Testament atonement, showing that God not only judges eternally, but he judges in history because the sins needed to be forgiven of the past. When Jesus was talking with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they were sad that Jesus had to die. But his response was, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Now, I've covered all the negative stuff about it. One of the things that we need to understand about that scripture is that if we are in Christ and Christ is in us, then we have the ability to enter into his glory. We have that ability. But the reason a lot of people don't enter into the glory realm and they don't see breakthrough like they need to have breakthrough is because of this thing called history. I run across it all the time. I even got a phone call last night, late last night, a pastor. Uh, I was in Missouri just five or six weeks ago, right? Five or six weeks ago, God doing a, a crazy thing. People, the lame were walking. The blind was seeing. Things were just all over the place. And I kept asking the pastor, I said, do you want me to stay or do you want me to come home? Because I scheduled to go for three days, but I also left a week afterwards just to leave it open for possibly a revival. And uh, no, he just said, no, three days, three days. Now, sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and walk away, you know. But my point is, I get a phone call, 
and this pastor has got some type of, it's called cellulitis. And it's a bacterial infection that affects the skin. And it causes parts, parts of the skin just to be very, you can't even touch it. It's so painful. Okay? Now, he's getting better and he's recovering. But I found out from his wife, after talking to her for about 20 minutes on the phone, on how to pray for him correctly, that his family is steeped into the Masonic Lodge. But you go, oh. Okay, that's a big problem. <laughs> that's a big problem. So I sent her the advanced curse breaking manual of the Masonic Lodge and I said, if you're have your husband consider going through this. But my point is, I don't know if that was the cause, but that was what stuck out at me when I was trying to figure out what did he do, what happened, anything happened over the last month, tell me what's going on. You know all the Randy Clark stuff? Do you guys know who Randy is? Anyways, Hebrews 10 and 4 says this, it is impossible that the blood of bull and goats should take away sin. Hebrews 9, 25 and 6 says, only the blood of Christ, that is his death, would be able to take away sin. Okay? So when we apply the blood, we're applying the blood not only for eternal salvation, but we're also applying the blood for history. For history. Now you can't look at the Bible and not understand that God holds, especially the Israelites, accountable. And here's, here's, they're saying, okay, well, what about the New Testament? Well, what does Peter say in Acts chapter 1? He says this. Judas took his place among the twelve. But it was as this, now I'm paraphrasing, right? But it was written of him that he would fall, and, but it was foretold of him. Even a New Testament believer or somebody even in Jesus' ministry that was accepted into the apostolic ministry fell. And he was tempted. There's no other way for God to save us than for Jesus and for Jesus to be our peace. It's the only way. It's the only way we have peace with God is through Christ Jesus. And we need to understand that if you really want peace in your bloodline, you're going to deal with it. You say, well, I don't know about all that. Well, I just say this. How about you make a list and say, God, make a list of all the sins that you can think of that your cousins and your uncles and your grandparents and your mom and dad and just reach out into the family tree and start writing it down and then say, and go to Jesus in prayer, go to the Father in prayer and say, Father, I repent, I renounce, and I break curse of. And then over all my children, 
my grandchildren, and all future generations. See where that gets you. See, getting back to the Christ for Nations story was this. When they came to the meeting, this lady came up to me and says, my, you know, I, uh, my mom was in the occult. She was born in the occult, escaped the occult, and now she is seeking her freedom. What can I do for my mom? How can I pray for my mom? And the Holy Spirit just, I mean, screamed out of me. Legal rights, strongholds, and curses. So you need to deal with that. You, need, you and your mom need to get together and renounce all that stuff. I want to end with this, guys. All mankind must accept Jesus' work on the cross. That's the easy part. When people make that commitment to Christ, they're willing to come down and confess sin unto salvation. And they need to repent. And they're saved. But have you ever, on that prayer of salvation, asked that person to include all the curses of my bloodline and all the consequences of? In most cases, they are radically touched. In most cases. Because not only are they asking for the sin, their sins to be forgiven, but now they're asking that the bloodline sins be forgiven by saying all the curses, all the sins that created curses, I renounce and break. Now they come in as a kingdom, as a baby. So there's more favor, right, as parents, right? You're not going to ask your three-month-old child to get up and go brush their teeth. You're going to go ahead and do that for them. See, when, when, when people come into the kingdom, the earlier that you can get them to do this, the more that God will wipe away stuff. Because they're so innocent. They don't know the kingdom. You come into the kingdom and you don't know how it operates. You enter the kingdom by repentance. And then belief. And it's almost they go together, but repentance comes first. Repent and believe, Jesus says in Mark 1.15. Repent and believe, or the two come together. But repentance comes by believing. So, my point is this. This is a time to be very thankful. But I want you to consider, just consider, have you dealt with the history of your family? Have you gone before and researched as much as possible? What have they been into? And then gone to God about it and repented and renounced it and asked God to forgive all the consequences of. Now, tonight, I was really feeling like the Lord wants to heal people tonight. But I will also pray with you.